Last week I started talking about miracles. My wife was right when she was talking about the fact that we've been, uh, I've been teaching on prayer for many weeks now. Uh, yeah, it's many because there's so many things to learn when it comes to prayer. Um, you know, people think prayer is something they can do anyhow. That people don't re actually really realize or know that prayer is something you learn. We got to learn how to pray. And the reason is because um, if we don't learn how to pray, we will not know how, what to say in prayer or what to expect. And we will not be able to ask right in prayer. So prayer is something to be learned. There are many misconceptions about prayer. And well, prayer is primarily communing with the Father, right? Having a relationship, I mean, building intimacy with the Father in probably in a quiet place, through studying the word, worship, fellowship with him. Yes, uh, that's the fundamental purpose of prayer. But we also realize that from the Bible, there are different types of prayers, right? And it's important that we know what to say in depending on what we are asking God for or what we want to see in our lives. You know, when we have, uh, when we talk about different types of prayer, we're trying to say that there are different situations and circumstances in our lives that demands that we, we, we set our expectations aright, right? We ask for the right thing. We are not asking for the wrong thing in the wrong in the in a particular situation and ultimately we will not see the result we ought to see in every situation or circumstance we find ourselves god wants us to god has a result he wants us to see according to his will uh, but except we know how to ask right we will not see the right result and as a wrap that up some things popped up around miracles uh how some people when they go to the place of prayer it's just about miracles when they go to church meetings what they're looking for is miracles and last week i started talking about this helping people to see the essence of miracle like by uh, we titled this uh two-part series as miracles a means to an end which means miracle is something that god does to achieve something else so the miracle itself it's a means it's not the ultimate goal of god, goal of god it's not the ultimate outcome god wants to see in our lives it's something he does uh, as part of things he do he, he wants to achieve or it's part of things he does in order to achieve a particular outcome in our lives right so uh, miracles like i defined last week it's a uh, something that um, you know that gets our attention, something amazing, something inexplicable. No, uh, a kind of occurrence whereby God seems to kind of uh, bypass the natural order of things to make something good in our life. So, and these could be expressed in the in in form of. Um, healing in form of um, supernatural supply so supernatural supply we saw in the book of john chapter 3 where uh, Peter, uh jesus uh, you know when he, himself and his disciples and his mom were at, were invited to a particular wedding ceremony and they ran out of wine at that wedding you know it's popularly known as the wedding at cana and uh, you know they the jesus had jesus was informed that the guys had run out of wine and um, his mother told those guys to say, whatever he asks you to do, do it. So Jesus told them to get water pot, feed it up. And um, they did as he instructed them. And he told them to fetch water from the water pot and take it to the master of the ceremony. And when that was done, when the master of the ceremony drank that water, what he drank was wine. So miraculously, water had turned into wine. 
So that's an example of supernatural supply. God does, Jesus did not want those guys to experience shame. You know, your wedding should not, um, should not fail. So that is to say to someone this morning, if you are trusting God for supernatural supply for your wedding, he's going to do it uh, because he doesn't want you to experience shame uh, at the, for your, in your wedding. Amen. Amen. So miracles can be expressed in different forms, but ultimately what God wants to achieve in our life is to show us his kindness is to help us to believe in him. So miracle is not what God wants you to seek. What God wants you and I to seek is relationship with him, fellowship with him. Through miracles, he wants to, he's showing you and I that he has, uh, he has, he has our interest at heart. He has a plan and a purpose for us. He desires good for us. So I give an example of, um, which we're going to explore in John chapter three, the man who was lame from birth, you know, through the apostles, God, you know, restored the limbs of this guy and he was able to walk. And God was showing those guys that, you know what, the evil you see in the world today, the destruction, the damage, the um, the deformity, and something else we call it again, you know, the deformity you see in the life of people today, you know, I'm not the cause of it. I'm not responsible for that. You know, this is the perfect plan. This is my original design. So true miracles, God kind of um, restore his original design in the life of people so that people can see the plan of God. We saw in the life of Jesus how, you know, he, he, he stopped the storm, uh, he calmed the storm, you know, he rose the dead, he rose people, uh, you know, he, yeah, he rose the dead, I think is a better way to say it. He rose people from the dead, uh, you know, and some other, many other things that did. You realize that there was a, there was a conversion from evil to good, from bad to good. So one of the reasons why God did miracles or is doing miracles is to show us that, you know, I have my original intent, my original design and plan for you is good and not evil. So never believe, never think that God is the one behind any evil in your life. Uh, if you think so, then why are you praying to God to take away the evil in your life? If you think it's best for you, why don't you just accept it? But something inside of you kind of... Um, testify that the evil whatever circumstance negative unpleasant circumstance you find in your life is not caused by god and that's why that thing inside of you is trusting god for healing but you may not know you may still be begging god to heal you but god is saying to you as they have shown us true miracles that you know well, my plan for you is for you to walk in health amen so today i want to wrap up what i started talking about last week uh, by going into the um, main text that I quoted last week that we were going we're gonna be reading from. So, and this case, one of them is a case study that shows us the things that I taught last week about miracles. You know, miracles is something that gets people's attention. Miracles wants to prove that God has sent people. Uh, I mean, God uses miracles to prove or to authenticate the ministry of the people he has called. And then, you know, miracle also happened to show to, as an expression of God's kindness and grace towards people. So we're going to be looking at a case study from the book of Acts chapter 3. And then we're going to look at what Jesus himself said about miracles. Because miracles ought to be commonplace in our lives. They ought not to be something we actively seek. I repeat, miracle ought to be commonplace in the life of the believer not something we actively seek. If miracles are if, if miracles are a means to an end 
and they are not the end in themselves, then it means that we should not be seeking miracles, but seeking the actual end. And that end is to believe in Jesus, believe in God. You know, Jesus said at some point, he said, these miracles he did, the miracles he did in, uh, you know, he did at that time when he was on earth in a human, in a human form, he said he did those miracles so that people may believe in God. Jesus never did any miracles to prove his ministry. He did the miracles as God was walking through him. So that's to also tell us that miracles is not something a man or a woman should, um, should, should I'm, I'm looking for the best way to say it, should do to show off. Right. So miracles should not be something that somebody should to, to show off themselves, to show off their power. It's not a demonstration of, of a human power. Miracles are meant to channel people's attention to God, to see the goodness and the kindness of God. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to try to balance this this morning. Now, so let's go to the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I can't wait together. Acts chapter 3. So we're going to we're going to do a long read this morning. I'll read Acts 3 1 to 16. The entire verse in um, in that chapter is 1 to 26, but uh, for the sake of our focus this morning and because of our time, we read from 1 to 16. Right. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Are we good? Good. So, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for harms. So for the young ones among us, he asked for money, right? He was begging. So this guy is a beggar, right? So verse 4 says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's take that verse again. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter said, what he has was what it was given to the people, to, the, to that particular person. So hold, uh, you can highlight that in your Bible or you can mark that because we need to expand some things uh, in verse 6. Let's take verse 7 and uh, the rest of the, of the verses. Uh, verse 7 says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. So for, uh, I would like you to also mark verse 8. Verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was 
Iwo sat begging ants at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement and at what had happened to him. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the only one and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and kill the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which God, well, sorry, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So with respect to what I taught last week, let's unpack everything I taught in this case study. So we said miracles does work. They, they, they get people's attention. Now, if you look at verse 10, it says, Then they knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Did that fulfill the uh, criteria of a miracle? Yes. Now, don't forget what I said last week. I said, if a miracle is from God, how you test it is by listening to who takes the credit for that miracle. So if a miracle is from God, right, it will, the people through whom the miracle was done will give glory to God and not draw attention to themselves. And it's also a caution for us that if God do any, do any miracle through us, we should not try to draw attention to ourselves. We have instances in the in Christian circles today whereby evangelists, televangelists and all these kind of guys, go out to minister the gospel, the minister healing, and people do receive a miracle, do receive healing. And the next thing you hear is, if you want God to walk in your life like this, come and sow a seed of $5,000, $1,000 and stuff like that. And that has, uh, has, has messed up a lot of people's perspective about miracles. So let's look into what Peter said in verse 6. He said, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, uh, the, question, the question in the subtitle of this uh, message is, Miracles, I mean, are they, is, is this something we should actively seek or should they, be, should they be commonplace in our lives? Because we saw a miracle happen here where a man who was um, lame from, his, from birth, right, was born crippled, basically. We saw this guy, you know, healed and walking. I think this guy was over 30 years old. We saw this guy healed and walking. So a guy who had never walked in his life, this guy was healed and he was walking and... Peter said, what I have, I give unto you. Peter was not seeking miracles. Peter was not trying to get the people's attention in a sense. Peter was not trying to show up. Peter was not trying to prove something. 
Right? He said, what I have, I give unto you. And what, we, what he gave was healing to the guy. It wasn't that Peter had it as a human being, because the Bible tells us here in the book of, uh, in verse 16, it's, it, Peter said, and his name, true faith in his name, has made this man strong. So could we say that what Peter had was faith in the name of Jesus to restore the limbs of this man? I repeat, verse 16 said, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. So does that mean that as believers, all we need to see things happen in our life is faith in the name of Jesus, faith in what God has done for us. So does that mean that we should not go around seeking miracles in places because that miracle or whatever you want to tr trust in God is available to you. All you need is to believe. So if supernatural working of God are commonplace or should be commonplace in the life of a believer, then the believer should not be actively seeking miracles. So for the unbeliever, miracles could get their attention. Miracles could, you know, to could get them amazed, you know, could get their attention to, to think twice or to think uh, to think about the the, the 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 existence of God for unbelievers. For believers, even though we see miracles in our life, we, I mean, when we when things happen in our lives that do not follow the natural order, yes, we should be thankful. Uh, but that does not mean we should be living a life of miracles. We should be seeking miracles, looking for miracles here and there. You know, one of the things I called as, as I, I was finishing last week is that if, you leave, if a Christian, a believer, lives a miracle-focused life, they can be easily deceived. Because Jesus told us that in the last days, some guys will come among us and they will do false miracles. They will do great miracles to deceive. So some guys can do miracles to deceive. So even if the believer's life is all about miracles, about breakthrough jobs, about this, about that, or about signs and wonders, it means those guys that Jesus talked about that could, they would come into our midst and do great miracles to deceive can easily deceive those very ones. It was interesting that Jesus said that even the very elect, if possible, they want to deceive even the very elect. Amen. Amen. Let me try. I think that's Matthew 24, right? Matthew 24, if I can lay my hands on that. Uh, I can't pick it right now, but let me carry on. I'll come back to that later on. Praise God. So, Miracles, right? If a believer is living a, a, a miracle-focused life, right, they can be they can be deceived when or, when other people, other guys come to uh, do some false miracles to 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 deceive people. Okay, a very typical example is in the Old Testament when um, Moses cast his rod and he turned to snake. He threw this rod on the floor and it turned to snake. And one of the signs that God said is going to perform to help to get the people to know that he has sent Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's another point. So miracles are things that God does to prove the ministry of his servant. Now, I know I'm picking different points here, but when you, if you watch or listen to the message from last week, all of this will come together. Because what I'm doing here is unpacking a case study 
to help us understand much better what, what I taught last week. So now, one of the things we said last week was that miracles, uh, the doing of miracles is one of the ways that God authenticates or confirms the ministry of the people he sent. So when God sent Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of, the, out of slavery, right? He asked him to do some signs, some miracles. And the magicians in Egypt actually performed the same miracle. But was that from God? No. They performed the same thing. So that is to tell you that the miracles that people are seeking in different conferences and crusades and things like that, there's a possibility that the person doing the miracle is actually not from God. Because anyone can do false miracles. We have magicians, we have sorcerers who do magics and stuff like that. And anyone can be deceived. And that is why for a believer, we should not live on miracles. We should not live by miracles. We should live for the ultimate outcome that God wants to achieve in our life, which is relationship with him. Relationship with him. Amen. So... Paul said, sorry, Peter said, he said, and, and uh, verse 16, and, this, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I was saying earlier on that, how do you know if a miracle is from God? One of the key tests is who takes glory. Can you see what this guy did there, uh, Peter? He gave the glory to God. He gave the glory to God. So one thing that actually uh, got my attention is a verse 12 where um, Peter said, he said, so verse 12 says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why you why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Now that tells you that your godliness or whatever power you may claim, you may think you have in yourself, not the power of the Holy Ghost, but some people just think they are special candidates of heaven, you know, because of their holiness or whatever. And they believe because of that, God can walk through them. God can do miracles through them. That perception is wrong. Now, if we are not walking in holiness, if we are not walking in righteousness, it could hinder our faith to receive, our faith to trust God, uh, to see the demonstration, a demonstration of his power. So your unholiness or holiness does not affect God. Your holiness or unholiness affects you. It affects how you are able to receive from God or yield yourself to God to walk through you. And that's all it is also to say that we must not at any point you know, idolize a man of God uh, because we think he's the only one that God can hear. No human being has any power, authority in themselves to work miracles, except for magicians and and, um, sorcerers and all those devil agents, right? But as a believer, there's no power in yourself and your ability to do any miracles. No No Christian should idolize their pastor or prophet because of miracles they do. Nobody should do that. No believer should think that God cannot speak through them or God cannot heal through them. And God, but God can only walk through a particular sect of people. 
Ephesians 4.11 tells us about the ministry of the fivefold uh, ministry, right? The assignment of the fivefold ministry, which is the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, the teachers, um, as a prophet, have I mentioned it? The apostles. Now, the fivefold ministry were not called to do miracles. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 4.11 just to help someone see what I'm talking about. Ephesians 4.11 Ephesians 4.11, I'm reading from New King James Version. It says, uh, and his gifts were... Okay, now let's amplify. Let's read the New King James. It said, and he, and he himself gave gifts to... Gave some gifts to be apostles. Sorry. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Can you see that? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Some. He didn't say all. So not all are pastors, not all are prophets, not all are evangelists, not all are teachers. Why? Verse 12 says, For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, when you look at that, can you find miracles anywhere there? So when a prophet, a pastor, an evangelist, an apostle builds their ministry on miracles, they are not fulfilling their calling. Amen. They are not fulfilling their calling. So if miracles were not part of the assignment that Jesus gave to myself and the other, um, other ministry folks, guys, if miracles was not part of it, then you guys should not be coming to church to seek miracles because Jesus did not ask me to do miracles in your life. Jesus did not ask me to run miracle services. I'm not saying we are not going to run healing meetings. I'm not saying we're not going to run certain services to help people, to create an atmosphere where people can receive. But the primary assignment Jesus has given to myself, prophet, apostles, and everyone of guys, is, is not to do miracles. So going to a meeting all for the purpose of receiving a miracle is not correct, is not right, is not a good practice. Now, what did the Bible say the prophet? I, I, I wish I had more time to really unpack more about the ministry of the prophet. Because they... Let me just be a little bit um, a little bit more mean here. Just, just allow me for this Sunday, right? Um, I mean, more Sunday is going to allow me. So the madness around the ministry of prophets in the Christian circles is shocking. The madness, the rave. I mean, there are better words to, 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 to describe it more than mad. Now, you know, sometimes when I slow down, when I'm about to use certain words, I try so that I can help people to understand I'm not angry and I'm conscious of my word. Right? Some people would get offended, but it is a madness. When a prophet asks you to go and eat grass, or a prophet asks you to ask your wife to come and sleep with him so that you can have a baby, and so what kind of things that's going on in the church, right? It is madness. Keep your young, young, um, young people are among us. I'm not saying you go and say madness in school, Rob. I'm saying I'm trying to express to you that it is insanity. I think that's more posh, right? Sounds more posh. It's insanity, absolute insanity. You know, when when somebody's mental faculties is not working, when they are not within their senses, mm. when they have gone mad. That is what it is when prophets are asking people to do stupid things all in the name of miracles. Because what Jesus asked prophets to do is to train people, equip people so that they can do the work of the ministry. They can do what God has called them to do. 
So in a sense, we Fivefold Ministry are to teach you guys, help you guys, support you guys in discovering your purpose and give you every tool you need to be able to complete your, to do what God has called you to do. We are not going to run your ministry for you. So people who have different callings and ministry, you know, I'm not going to run it for them. I'm not going to take control of their ministry. <laughs> Except they, they ask me for support, which I'm a dodge if I have a chance, right? I will support them, right? But I just want to stick within the boundaries of my assignment, right? Because when you start trying to help somebody to, to build their ministry, it takes more, more effort and strength from you and time from you, right? So I'm a dodge, right? So if... Okay, now I'm saying to this to the church family. Because when you come to me I, yeah, about your ministry and I don't respond very quickly, I'm not trying to dodge you, but if I'm having we are we dodge. Amen. So, so, so just be with me, right? But what I'm trying to call out here is the fact that God has not called me to run your lives for you. No, you, he, God has called you to a place of personal relationship with him. My assignment is just to, you know, it's just to help you guys, support you guys, you know, help you guys to be to, to be to, to be more tightly connected to the Father. Not coming to me as a conduit to which you reach God. No, I'm not the medium man here. I'm not a wholesaler for the miracles and the powers of God. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm not a distributor. Amen. And we don't run multi-level marketing in the kingdom of God. No, we don't do business in the kingdom of God. We, I stand in my territory and I do my work. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So, um, talking about miracles, right? I was trying to show us what Peter did. Because Peter is a perfect example. Of, well, this is one of the perfect case study of what miracles what the miracle from God is that? So, this guy gave glory to God. He gave credit to God. And I was saying that, you know, miracles should, you know, should, when we see miracles or when we expect miracles, and when I say expect miracles, yeah, I'm talking about when we expect the supernatural flow of God's power or supernatural intervention of God's power. I wish I could say. I could break that down, right? So, uh, kids, mommy and daddy will sort your heart in that area, right? When we when we experience supernatural intervention of God in any situation in our life, we should not think it's because of one good thing we have done about holiness. Friends, you were not holy when Jesus died for you. Now that you're a child of God, so we're not holy, you were not a child of God, sorry. You were not holy when Jesus died for you. And your holiness or lack of it thereof did not qualify you to be a child of God. So if your holiness or lack of it thereof could not qualify to be, child, to, be, to be a child of God, your holiness or lack of it thereof can never disqualify you to be a child of God. And now I can hear riots. I can hear the sound of riots. I think I can change the window. I can hear the sound of riots because some religious people are, are just beginning to, 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 to groan at me or to grind their teeth at me and saying that, Pastor, you have just opened the door for sin. Okay, before you shut down, before you lock your computer, right? turn your Bible to Romans 6.16 and you will find it there where it says, to whomsoever you yield yourself slaves to obey, that person's slave you are. So, if your holiness did not qualify you to be a child of God, your holiness cannot disqualify, or lack of it, thereof can never disqualify you to be a child of God. But when you are sinning, you are giving yourself to the lordship of Satan and it's going to mess you up. Amen. He will mess you up and he's going to use you as, as instruments to destroy many other lives. Mm-hmm. Will God forgive you after you realize your mistake and your, and your mess? Yes, he will forgive you. Will he call you back to himself? Yes. So, <laughs> Jesus' disciples asked him, Master, I'm having fun here. Let me check my time. 
Oh Lord. Right. <laughs> Jesus' disciples asked him, they said, Master, how many times should, should someone offend me and I should forgive? Seven times? One, once? Five? Jesus said no. Seventy times seven. So many of us, in our daily sins, we have not even we have not we have not we have not committed twenty-four sins. But you know, when I say twenty-four sins in one day, like one sin per hour, many of us are not we are not even as bad as that. And Jesus is saying to people that, and it also tell them that <laughs> it's that forgive. There's no condition for unforgiveness. That's what Jesus was simply saying, right? So if you have not, if you do not sin seventy times seven in one day, then God will forgive you. I repeat, if you are not sinning 70 times 7 in one day, God will forgive you. Because God will not, uh, will not walk by a lower standard than the one he gave you to live by. I repeat, God will not operate by a standard lower than the one he has set for you. So, your sin will never hinder God from being kind towards you or stepping into your situation. But don't forget that the miracles they saw here is a function of faith. The believe in the name of Jesus. So, if you are not walking by faith, if, or if you are not walking in holiness, if you are not doing the right thing, walking in righteousness, living a right, living right, living according to biblical moral standard, it affects you. You will not be able to put your faith in the name of Jesus. All manner of nonsense is going to be running in your mind, and you will not see God's intervention in your life. So it's not God stopping you. It is you not being able to receive. So Peter said to these guys, So why do you marvel at this? Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? Then he went on to tell them that uh, God, the God of Vastetin, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Right? Glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered of. And he went and went and told them. He didn't mean to, you know, Make those guys feel bad. We're just telling the guys what you did was not good. Amen. Good. So, that's that's a joke, right? You get it. <laughs> he was preaching the gospel. We didn't tell them that he was hungry, but he was preaching the gospel. Amen. Right. So, let's go. Let's take a few steps back again. And let's go look at verse uh, 6. Now, the Bible says, uh, Peter, the Bible says, then Peter said, silver, or gold, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter released himself to channel God's power into the life of this man. Last week I was saying to us that, and I, even since, I think I mentioned it this morning too, that miracles is a means by which, and what, when God do miracles in our life, is to show us his original plan. So God's original plan for this guy was not to be lame from birth. God gave him two limbs, two legs from birth, right? And the enemy and sin destroyed it. Not the sin of the man, not the sin of the parent. But there's sin in the world. So when you see some deformity, disability, that's what I was trying to remember earlier on. When you see some disability in the life of a child, don't be quick to think it's as a result of the sin of the parent. Mm -hmm. I think John chapter 9, we had, a, is it Acts 9, I think, we have a, uh, a situation where, uh, no, no, it's not Acts 9. It was in the time of Jesus, when Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. I think they asked Jesus that, what is, a, they asked the, Jesus, they said, who sinned? Was it the man or his parent that sinned? And Jesus said, you know what? The miracle is going to do in the life of this guy, how he's going to open the eyes of this guy, uh, is will give glory to God. That God has kind of uh, brought him here in this time to give glory to him. And so the Bible did not say that, Jesus was not saying that the guy was made blind so that God can show himself 
as a, as God and glorify himself, right? But the sin in the world, the destruction in the world, right? Since the corruption of human race by sin of Adam, right? A lot of things are going bad. You know, there's thorns. Now, thorns, I don't think were ever designed to grow from the ground, from the earth, you know. But sin brought all of this into place. You know, a lot of hardship and, you know, natural disaster, all of these came as a result of sin of mankind. That's John chapter 9, was correct. But Jesus came to restore all that, came to show us how things were meant to be, how God originally designed things. Amen. So, uh, this man, I'm trying to finish up verse 6. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read verses again just to put together my thoughts together and then move on so then peter said silver and gold i do not have but what i do have i give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk verse 7 says and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength amen verse 10 says there were few little amazement and on and on he goes amen so as i wrap up on this particular case study i've tried to show us that um Miracles they get our side, they get our attention. Miracles, uh, miracles are in and in, 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 uh, a means to an end, right? Uh, there's something God's name should be glorified. God wants to draw people's attention to Him. God wants to, you know, miracles are also some signs to, you know, to help people believe in God, to, to draw people's attention to God, to help people see that God has something good in store for us. God has a good plan and design for us. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. So the things I've said, you can play back the message and then I believe they will uh, help you. And I think I did a good job trying to help show you that, you, you know, you, what you do right or what you're right or you're wrong will never make God to want to hold back from being a blessing to, to you, to helping you, to step in your situation. Your heart may not be right. If there is, if there's any problem hindering you from receiving from God, the problem is not with God. The problem is on our end. And that's why we should do what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10, I believe. Yeah, 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If we want to build faith uh, in the word of God, what God has done in Christ Jesus, to receive supernatural intervention of God, we should feed our mind on faith. Don't feed your mind on dirty movies on Netflix. Don't fill your mind with dirty movies on, on Amazon, on Amazon, whatever, the, whatever, those, your, your, your favorite, your apps, you know, there are many of them, I don't start mentioning them, so I don't advertise their products, right, stop filling your mind, even in conversations around you, even in relationships, stop filling your mind with junk, with death, with few the things, whatever you fill your mind it with is what you'll be conscious of, you fill your mind with so much death and ungodly things, you realize that you find it very difficult to believe in God, so let's set our mind on the things of God and we, are, and we will realize that we are more conscious of the things of God. For you to experience God in your life, you need to be more conscious of Him. And how you be more conscious of Him is filling your mind with more and more of the things of God. Now, so let's hear what Jesus says about, a Mark in, about miracles in Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16. Amen. Amen. So Mark 16, I, I, I was going to look at 9 to 20. Let me see how quickly I can do that uh, in the short period of time I have. Uh, okay, guys, you know what? You just be in one second. Why don't I flip my Bible to that portion of Scripture, Mark 16. Right. Uh, let's start from, 
14 because of our time. So the, the entire story is from verse 9 to verse 20, but I'll focus on um, 14 to 20. And that's to wrap up and to conclude what I'm talking about this morning. Now, the Bible says in verse 14, I'm reading the New King James Version. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, earlier when I was talking about the fact that God did not send the fivefold ministry to do miracles, right? Likewise, we individual believers, God did not ask us to go and do miracles. Jesus asked us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Miracles are a means, are a means to an end. They are never the end in itself. And like I said earlier on, the scripture, the scripture I was looking for earlier on, in fact, Jesus said, some guys will come into your midst and to do false miracles among you guys, to deceive you guys. Right? So miracles is not a final stop. God wants everyone, all the, the world to be reconciled to himself, to be restored into relationship with himself. The Bible tells us that Jesus came, Jesus came to die for us so that we can have eternal life. Eternal life means uh, the life of God. For us to be to have the life of God in us, the life of God that cannot perish. That's the ultimate good. The Bible says, Jesus said, He came to seek and save the lost. God wants mankind restored to Him through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's His ultimate goal. So the goal of every believer should be to preach the gospel, to help people know that God loves them. Jesus died for them. Their sins have been paid for. They don't need to condemn themselves anymore. They should come and receive the goodness of God and the person of Lord Jesus Christ and come into, into relationship with the Father. That's the assignment of every believer. Now, along the line, as we do this, right, miracles can happen. Uh, miracles will even will happen. You know, when you have a word of knowledge, you say something, you, you speak into a, a, a painful situation in a person's life and you release the plan of God into their life, healing, encouragement, comfort into their life. I mean, story in people's life that you have never come across, you didn't know anything about it, but God speaks to you out of the kindness of his heart and not true, you speak into their life. Some people receive sight, receive healing. Friends, you know, when we go out and do miracles in public station, in public places and station and stuff like that, if you do a miracle and you don't minister the gospel to the person, I don't think you have done them, I think you have done them a disservice. Because you've helped them to see what God is able to do, but you have not invited them into relationship with the Father. And we should not go about just doing miracles to say God exists, God exists. Let's focus on the ultimate goal. God wants the person to be saved. God wants to bring them to relationship. You know, we could do a people a harm by leading them, doing a miracle in their life and not leading them to Christ. Then what happened to some of such people is this. When they come across the ministry of many, many of these false prophets, right? They, they are quick to give themselves to that because they think that is the essence of Christianity. So when we minister, when we, when we do a miracle, when God works a miracle through us in anyone's life, we should be quick to tell them that God has shown his kindness towards you. Like we saw in the life of Peter, God wants us to call into a place of relationship. God is showing you that, you know, the problem you had before I prayed with you is not his plan for you. And God is calling to you this place where you can, by his power and relationship with him, live over this live over this bad situations and circumstances and many more things to come. When I say many more things to come, we are not saying, we are not prophesying evil into the life of the person, but we are saying that, the devil always goes to seek to steal, 
seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. I can go on and on. There's so much part in that. I think I should just uh, shut up on that and then go for it. So Jesus said, uh, uh, verse 15, he says, We should go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now look at what that was. He said the signs will follow them. It is, Jesus did not ask us to seek signs. You know, I said miracles. Okay, I said last week that when you say signs in the Bible, most of the time it also means miracles, right? And he said these signs will follow those who believe. Miracles will follow them. And if you believe, miracles just go with you. As you confirm the word of God, things will happen. Now let's, let me finish this verses. He who believes is baptized and then, okay, I said, he will, be, verse 16 again, he who believes, verse 17, I mean, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So casting out demons is a miracle, right? And Jesus said, if you are a believer, if you believe, you will cast out demons, right? So he said, they will speak with new tongues. To speak in tongues is also a miracle, right? He said, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not by any means hurt them. So here, what Jesus is saying is this. If you get poisoned, as you go preaching the gospel, you will not be hurt. He didn't ask you if you drink poison to show off. Don't forget, miracles are not done to show off. Jesus never did miracles as a sideshow or to draw attention to himself. He gave glory and credit to God for every miracle that happened through him. So when you see people hold snakes in their hand and saying that God said we're going to hold serpent, now that is evil. That is testing God. Mm. You know, in context, if you look at what Jesus said, he said, people, as we go into the world and preach the gospel, to go into the world and preach the gospel, he didn't say go and stage a show, go and stage a circus and show people you can do this. Mm. I want to say something about it. It will sound not nice. Unfortunately, unfortunately, many people have lost their lives when they are trying to manifest and show signs and, and turn snakes in their hand. People have told, told me who have been beaten by those snakes. That's not that's the wrong concept. Uh, context. Jesus did not ask us to drink poison intentionally to show up. No. As you go preaching the gospel, an example is uh, Acts chapter 28, when Paul was beaten by a viper. He didn't die. It was on, it was on I think it, it, they were leading him to Rome too. To, to execute him and stuff like that. I mean, it was there's a little story behind that. I get to me. And um, it was uh, when, you know, they had uh, they had a shipwreck. They got on an island, a mortar, and um, when it was gathering sticks together, as it put fire there, this viper was was pushed out by the flame of the fire and by the heat thereabout. And uh, it was beaten by a snake. And the people and the look and the locals expect, expected him to die, but the guy did not die because the word of Jesus says that you know if you were beaten by a snake. Right, even though he says, um, how does he put it here? He said, they will take off serpent. It will be bitten by a snake because the snake actually you know, wrapped itself around their hands. It took it and it shook it off. He didn't ask him, he, did, he didn't go and pick a snake. So that context there tells you that if you are poisoned or bitten by a snake on your course of preaching the gospel, no harm will happen to you. I think it's a beautiful thing for us to commit our life to living a life of mission with Christ because many miracles protection goes with us not that we'll not be persecuted right i think the only harm that could happen to us that is tolerable that is tolerable is the one from um, people who persecute us but if your enemy shows up in the on the course of you doing what god has called you to do you gotta kick that guy out don't accept whatever evil the enemy bring your way 
as the will of God. No, kick him out. Amen. Amen. By prayer and speaking the word of God. Right. He said, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. So verse 20 says, um, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. What was God confirming? What was Lord confirming? The words. The apostles were not sent out to go and do miracles. But as they spoke the word of God, what happens? Miracles happen. As they descend the will of God in the life of people, as they walk in the gift of the Spirit, miracles happen. So miracles should be commonplace in the life of believers. Let's close. Miracles should be commonplace in the life of a believer. And we should not be too surprised, but we should be thankful to God for the faithfulness to his word and for the authenticity of his word. Miracles should be commonplace in the life of a believer. We should speak the word of God and expect God to, to confirm his word. His word of healing, his word of blessing, his word of breakthrough. As opposed to we going to seek miracles or trying to do miracles to get people's attention. Our focus is the word of God. Miracles will happen, but we should not seek miracles. I hope that blesses us. I hope the case study uh, does well in um, justified or you know, did a good job in helping us to understand the things I was teaching us last week. And also Mark 16 showing us how we should live and what our focus should be on. On Wednesday, my wife and I will be having a catch up on online from 7 to 7.30, you know, where we answer some questions. And um, we have a family catch, um, Transformers Connect, you know, which is uh, on Zoom, which is a forum whereby we we, we equip uh, the members of the church family on you know, how to how to live a gospel life and how to reach out to people. So if you think you want to, or if you desire, you, you uh, desire to know more how to live a practical Christian life, uh, reach out to us and um, and we'll, we'll, we'll send you the, the joining details. Uh, it's not for everyone. We are, uh, you know, and it's not that we don't want to include everyone, but what, what we, we want to bring in people who are committed, who are serious, who really want to be the Christian. Not everyone, not not, not all Christians, not most of the Christians who have a consumer mindset. Amen. So we look forward to, to connecting with you during the week. Um, I speak the peace and the grace of God upon over your family. And um, I declare that this week uh, will be a week of progress for you in your spiritual journey. God bless you. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a good week.